Hello and welcome to Beyond Well. I'm Sheila Hamilton. You know, I had one goal when I started this podcast, and that was to bring zero cost information to you about mental health and the evidence-based tips that you can use to stay well together. And as part of that promise, I only partner with organizations or people whose products I really believe in. So I'd like you to know more about Active Recovery TMS. TMS is an evidence-based non-drug therapy for depression and OCD. And if your depression medication has failed to bring you relief, transcranial magnetic stimulation is both safe, it's effective, and it's covered by most insurances. My late husband did not respond well to antidepressants or mood stabilizers, and I would have given anything to know that there are other remedies for depression that have been studied, tested, and FDA approved. TMS is targeted to the specific area of the brain that is underactive in depression and overactive in OCD. And the patient testimonials, which we're going to be sharing, are so emotional. These people literally have their lives back after undergoing treatment. I believe in the entire team at Active Recovery TMS, and they'll work with you on an individual basis to make sure you get relief. TMS therapy is covered by most insurance plans and with multiple locations in Oregon and Washington, there is a location near you. Learn more at activerecoverytms.com. to Beyond Well. I'm Sheila Hamilton. Future trends in workplace wellness and behavioral health is something that I've been really looking into for the past three years. And we've decided to devote a five-part series featuring some of the world's most influential thought leaders in workplace wellness and mental health. We're going to be discussing why the pandemic shifted the balance toward the whole health of the worker, what trends are going to last in terms of adoption and return on investment, and how to engage employees in dialogue about their mental health, which is a topic that has largely been avoided in most corporate settings up until now. Our first guest to kick off this incredible series is Chris Cummings. He's the CEO of the Sonus Group, the global events organizer for the well-being at work events. And I know Chris, and he's tireless and passionate about mental health. The summits are designed for senior leaders to learn how to create workplaces where employees and organizations thrive. Chris, welcome. I'm so glad you could join us. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. So you came to the field of workplace well-being in an interesting way. Would you share that with our audience? Of course. So um, I've worked in corporate events for about 20 years uh, and I was busy organizing international events. And uh, my partner, who has anxiety and depression, had a pretty bad experience at work and was treated pretty poorly, actually. And it, and it just sort of motivated me. It stopped me in my tracks. And I, I thought, I've got to do something about this. Um, so I, I took my event experience and took my partner's experience and sort of merged them together, really. And jump ship from the corporate world and started up my own uh, forum. And here we are now, eight years later, uh, and running it globally. So it's really exciting. How big are you now? How many countries are you in? So we have eight annual regional events, spans across North America, Europe, Middle East, South Africa, Asia, and Australia. So there's been uh, quite a bit of travel um, in recent years, uh, although not in the last two years. Yeah. Um, but uh, <laughs> it's been a such an exciting journey and and seeing how different cultures and different regions 
grappling with this subject and but really developing as well which is which is really exciting yeah would you say that the global pandemic really changed fundamentally people's approach to workplace health yeah i think it's certainly so uh, for me there was some shining lights uh, around the world of people who were passionate about this subject and wanted to do change, such as yourself, Sheila, um, who were really leading the way. Um, <clears throat> I think the pandemic um, brought some of those sceptics along because I think the pandemic has touched everyone's mental health mm. and everyone's had some form of experience, um, whether that be positive or, or negative. So I, I really think it's brought it to the fore. And now it's all about taking action and, and putting that investment uh, in, in place. We, we're all talking about it. Let's, let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> I want to talk about the trends that you think have become most positive, most beneficial. And I want to start with the trend of the number of people who decided to leave their workplace because they didn't feel supported both emotionally, physically, spiritually. The great resignation I saw as a huge boon to workplace wellness because people could go to organizations that were making them feel better. Would you agree? Absolutely. I, I think we all had an opportunity to stop and really reevaluate our lives. Uh, and that includes our, our working lives. And I see lots of employees around the world taking stock, sitting back and saying, does this organization's values match mine? Um, are the working conditions uh, acceptable? Or, or, or do I want to do something more purpose driven? Um, I, I heard an expression uh, the other day, flexible living. Um, so flexibility, I think, is is going to be a huge trend. Uh, and being able to have that flexibility uh, as an employee uh, is, is really going to support our well-being. Chris, it, in the beginning, when we were talking about remote versus hybrid workplace versus, you know, uh, a different type of structure for work, it really seemed that there was two camps, that upper management preferred sort of the FaceTime and the hallway handshake and younger people really liked the flexibility of being able to work wherever they wanted, especially those who had you know, technical positions and they could just take their laptops with them. Do you see the trend toward totally remote work as being beneficial for people's mental health? Or do you think that there is going to be a point at which we say they're losing out on the opportunity to be in a group to see one another in another setting other than home. How, where do you land on that? Yeah, it's it, it's something that all employers are grappling with at the moment. I, th I think right at the beginning of the pandemic, I think a lot of people were talking about the future is working flexibly. Um, and, and most of those people lived in huge houses and had lots of space. And if you look at young people in New York or London, you know, they're in shared accommodation, they're in tight yeah. spaces. It's not ideal. Yeah. Um, so I think everyone's different. And I, I come back to that flexibility piece. I think it is important that we, we connect and come back together and, uh, and collaborate. I think that's really important. Mm. But that flexible piece is really interesting you know you see how some of the tech companies are employing people from all around the world but based out of their san francisco office so i i think we'll come to a blend uh, of the two um but but i think that flexibility is really important for, for employees everyone needs different things i've heard you know at some of the conferences i've attended 
some of the senior management is most perplexed about how do we create a social environment for these new hires, because many of them kind of miss out on the mentorship that occurs when you see face-to-face -face a young person who might be struggling or need somebody to go to lunch with, you know? So have you heard of any great ideas about companies that are able to create these small communities and a, a way for people to still connect? Um, well, we're doing it in, in our organization. We're just a small team. We all work across the UK um, and globally, but we try and get together and have social activities in the UK, our UK team. We meet up on a regular basis uh, and they do the same in North America and in Australia. You know, we've all been working remotely and I think that there's people who we've hired in Australia and North America that I've never even met <laughs> wow. in, in person. So, you know, I'm really looking forward to, to getting back out there and, and meeting and, and having those regular connections because I think it's so important especially you know if I think back to the beginning of my career I learned so much from people in the office and those those moments at the coffee machine are invaluable so yeah I, I, I think finding that blend um, that works for everyone I think is important. Do you want to talk before we move on and from the trends in mental health and workplace well-being that you really think will last, that they've sunk in and, and they're they're being adopted by leaders? Are there any others that you want to mention that we haven't talked about? Um, I think there's been an explosion of health tech and lots of solutions out there. I, I think it's really important that we focus on outcomes with all of these new initiatives. Mm -hmm. There's an explosion in, in so many different areas. And I think the last two years, especially a lot of investment has gone into um, health tech and mental health. Uh, my concern would be there's a lot of stuff out there that, that might not actually deliver the outcomes that people need. And, yeah. you know, when we're talking about people's health, it, it's really important that we focus on outcomes. So yeah, um, can't it's get it wrong. <laughs> no, exactly. And it, it's great to see so much happening in this, in, in this world. And, you know, I, I, I can't, a day doesn't go by without me discovering something new uh, in this world. So it's, it, it's very exciting and very fast moving. Let's make sure that those outcomes are, are delivering for those people. I think that's probably, and we have a lot of HR leaders who listen to this podcast. It's a lot of um, what I hear from them is we've offered this tool and nobody's using it. And I always talk about the other steps around creating a culture where, where people feel safe to be able to actually have that conversation. How can you create that culture so that people do adopt the tools and use them? There's huge investment going into tools, but you've got a toxic culture. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, how's that going to affect anything? I think, you know, I, I've always said it comes from the top. Leadership play a, a critical role. They set the tone. You know, everyone follows that culture that they set. So I think they've got a big role to play. Um, in storytelling, in sharing their own stories, in, in creating that openness uh, within their organisations. You see some pretty scary quotes from, from leaders sometimes, and, and we have seen during the pandemic. So let's create open, inclusive cultures yeah. uh, where, where people can thrive. And then those tools that we're investing in will, will be much better uh, utilized. When people talk, and this is the thing I always hear from senior leaders is, you know, show me the return on investment. I, how, how do you answer that? Well, first of all, it's, it's just the right thing to do. We've got yeah. to look after our people. Um, yeah. And so, yes, the numbers are important, but 
but look at the burnout cases, look at the data that we're seeing in sickness and absenteeism and presenteeism. All of these numbers are really, really scary. If it was happening in any other business line or department, you know, if operations were losing that that much money through, <laughs> through, yeah. through various things, we yeah. would do something about it as leaders. And so we've got to look at it as a, you know, as a critical area of the business. It's a strategic priority and we have to look after it in that way. So we have to invest and we have to challenge um, some of these scary numbers that are out there. You know, Chris, I, I was talking with a senior leader about their adoption of one of our tools, and they were saying, you know, that we want to try to get it above 5%. And I said, that that's a lofty goal. I think it, it should be where you have at least 20% of your customers. But if you stop 5% of your people from taking a disability because of a mental health crisis, if you if you prevent one suicide, if you, you know, the numbers in terms of the outcomes are so important to keep in perspective because mental health disability is now accounting for 60% of the absences at work. And I always feel like, oh, it's just, it's a different thing. I mean, what is it? Depression is, uh, is one of the largest um, factors for companies that are, are going under because of the number of people that are, are using presenteeism and absenteeism as a fallback for their depression. And so I always feel like you have to look at the ultimate costs of what's happening with mental illness to decide whether or not a 5% or 6% uptake is actually worth it. I think it is. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think health has become, over the last two years since the pandemic, it's shot up the agenda in terms of something that we really need to, to look at. Of course, people were looking after their health, but not in a, such a sharp focus as we have done over the last two years. And we've seen the effects of what poor health can do. So that covers all health. Chris, one of the things that I also hear is sort of an, an objection is, isn't a person's mental health their own private business? And why should I be asking about it? How do you answer that? Everyone has a responsibility to try and look after their health and mental health. So I have certain things that I do. I really try and get a good night's sleep. I try and eat healthier, try and exercise. You know, I don't always tick those boxes every week. <laughs> Sometimes I'm too busy, but mm-hmm. uh, I, I try my best. So I think, yes, of course, we need to uh, look after our own physical and mental health and, uh, and do what we can. But if work is making us sick mm-hmm. because of some of the things that the workplace is doing to us, the toxic cultures of uh, managers, poor leadership, all of these things really can affect us, then workplaces have a responsibility because if you're looking after your own health in your own time and doing all of the right things, but then work is making you sick, right? you know, what's an individual supposed to do? So I think it's a, uh, it's a fair point. We all have a responsibility to do what we can, but so does the work. Yeah. I've never thought about this analogy before, but it's like a person who's doing their best to eat right and exercise and sleep well and have good relationships at home. And then they show up at a toxic chemical plant and the chemical leaches into their system every day if it's the workplace that's making them sick. And work is often the biggest cause of toxic stress for most people. 
absolutely and we're spending more and more time at work and um, that's shown just just during the pandemic that our working time has increased by up to 10 percent, which is a, an extra hour or two a day because there isn't that switch off so what are we doing to support our people to not make them sick within the workplace a lot of us want to look after our health and we're doing all we can personally yeah. um, but if we're creating these toxic cultures we're just going to make it worse. I was recently on a vacation with my daughter, which was the first vacation we've taken in three years. So it was really wonderful. <laughs> she started returning a lot of emails and she actually got a note from her boss that said, all of this can wait, put down your computer and enjoy your time. And I was like, oh man, what a changed world this is. If in Amazing. my you know, 20s and 30s growing up, your boss would take and extract just as absolute much from you as they possibly could. There wasn't a sense that there was a time you could really be off. And I think that that's really changing now. And, and whoever uh, your daughter's boss is, that's the sort of leadership we're looking for. We really just, people need that break. People yeah. need to switch off. Uh, it's so important. Again, I come back to that flexibility piece. I, I don't work nine to five because that doesn't suit me. I'm a morning person, so I'm really up for it in the, in the morning and I, and I do some great work. But then, you know, I, I need to do some exercise in the afternoon because I'll have that post um, lunchtime slump so yeah. I, I take some time out in the afternoon but I, I can then pick it up and, and I'm energized coming into the evening so again having that flexibility yeah um, it's really important everyone works in different ways of course we need to have that connection piece where we're all together um, but but if we are doing um, individual work it's really important to allow people to have that have you had any great success stories of companies who have been working with you and utilizing your tools and coming to these um, conferences and have come up to you and said, this is the big change we're seeing now, Chris, thank you? I'm seeing lots of individual um, smaller initiatives that might be really interesting. Mm -hmm. um, my view is we have to take it comprehensive. We have to take it strategic now. So. Yeah. I think there's been a lot of short-term things that some of them have been really great and some, you know, some great social connections and, and bringing people together and doing some great well-being initiatives that might be for a week or two. And those things will have an impact to a point. But my big mantra now is to all leaders, to all organisations, we have to make this a strategic priority. So we don't just look after people's mental health on World Mental Health Day. Right. Every day is World yeah. Mental Health Day. Let's not just do a workshop in October or in May. Let's keep that conversation going throughout the year. Our health doesn't stop um, after one month. <laughs> you know, we, we have to have this as a priority. So that's my big rallying call. And I, I haven't seen too many companies doing that really impressively and, yeah and that's where I think we need to be yeah anything else that you want to add we have about four more minutes left and I would love to get your take on anything that I haven't asked even if it's just what kind of breakthroughs for you happened during the pandemic that you realized wow I really do need to be taking better care of my own mental health <laughs> um, well, well, I'm lucky I live by the beach, um, so it's not quite a Californian beach, but it's, uh, it, it, it's, my, it's my place, it's where I go with my dog every morning, and 
it sets me up for the day. You know, getting out into nature as well, I think is really important. Um, mm. And having that break from the screen. So even if it's just yeah. a 10, 15 minute walk in the park, it just energizes you. It takes you away from the screen and gives you gives you that boost. Um, I've seen some more and more organization exploring this four day week. And it's certainly put my uh, attention actually. And um, I'm really interested to see some of the, uh, the data that's coming out of that. And I can see this becoming something that is is taking on. You know, we're, we're seeing in places like Japan, there's organisations there looking at that. So wow. I, I think that's that's a really interesting development that that's happened. Really, it's accelerated during COVID. And we talked about leadership before. We have that leadership calling and and setting a great culture but if those line managers are not buying into that properly then then those teams will suffer so I think doing more around the line management area yeah. will, be, will be really important. I totally agree you know I was giving a speech to a group of CISOs and they're the people who manage all of the intellectual data and all of the potential attacks and they were saying how difficult it is to have gone up through management you know, being really good at scheduling, being really good at looking at charts and data. And now they're thrust into this time and place where they really have to know soft skills and they have to learn empathy and compassion and open listening skills. And this is not the stuff they learned in business school, right? (laughs) Yeah, Absolutely. But it's going to be the skills of the future. Emotional intelligence is so important and will be up there alongside, in my view, the, the traditional qualifications that people are getting. Um, I think it's so, so important. And, and we're seeing the way CEOs are shifting um, and, and the sort of qualities that we're seeing from CEOs. And, and that's exciting. Yeah. It's really, it's a, it's a once in a lifetime opportunity to really change how we do things. Chris, I have enjoyed this conversation so much. It's always just a delight to be in your vibe. So thank you again for joining us. And once again, here's a message from our sponsors. Before we head out, if you've been listening and loving the podcast, as some of you say you have, please give us a heads up or a thumbs up wherever you listen. Mostly Apple Podcast does the best job with their reviews. Thanks again and make it a great day. Bora Health is a nonprofit alcohol and drug treatment center in Portland, Oregon, that has been helping youth, adults, and families for nearly 50 years. They offer compassionate, comprehensive, and affordable care for everyone, regardless of background, orientation, or ability to pay. Bora recently opened a new state-of-the-art campus in Portland's Southeast Gateway District, and the entire campus is healing and supportive. You can find out more about their full array of evidence-based therapies for drug and alcohol treatment at www.forahealth.org. If you or a loved one needs support, there are many options and personalized approaches to care. Reach out to Fora Health at 503-535-1151 or see the show notes for more details.